A spiritual awakening is taking place around the globe, and you can be a part of it. For the first time ever in human history, we are truly one world. And now we must face the implications of what that means for our understanding of spirituality, the nature of reality, and one another. As a direct descendant of the founding families of one of today's largest global religions, I was born in the center of a worldwide spiritual crisis. Like my pioneer ancestors, I'm blazing a new trail, embracing a global sense of spirituality based on personal practice, spiritual community, and direct experience of the divine. I'm Benjamin William Decker. Welcome to the Modern Spirituality Podcast. As I'm sure you know, at the time of this recording, Russia has just recently invaded the Ukraine, and the whole world seems to be responding. Conflicting news reports flood the airways. Calls are going out to contribute to various organizations to support Ukrainian refugees, which, by the way, you can see some resources we've collected here in the show notes for this episode if you're able to donate. And many of us are feeling the intensity of this moment and at a loss for what we can do with the anguish and heartbreak of yet another war breaking out in today's world. Among the many thousands of people who've been criticized and cyberbullied for their imperfect responses to the news are, of course, a number of well-meaning celebrities. One such celebrity is actress Annalyn McCord, best known for her starring role in CW's 90210, dozens of other films and TV shows, as well as her advocacy for mental health her support of anti-human trafficking initiatives, and her very public struggle as a survivor of severe trauma as a childhood victim of torture, sexual abuse, and rape, resulting in a diagnosis of dissociative identity disorder, formerly known as multiple personality disorder. In response to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, Anna Lynn wrote a poem and recited it on Twitter. The controversial video received over 30 million plays within just three days of its release, and it begins with the line, Dear Mr. President Vladimir Putin, I'm so sorry that I was not your mother. It clearly draws from Annalyn's experience overcoming the anger and rage that came as the result of her traumatic childhood as she essentially presents the idea that if we all took better care of the children of this world, we would not see the kind of violence we now see all around us. I'll let Anna Lynn take it from here. Please welcome Anna Lynn McCord. So happy to be having this conversation with you, Anna Lynn. You know, whenever something is happening in current events, something serious, I feel like you and I always have really meaningful conversations about it, about the different levels of it. So thank you for being here. We love to yes. deep dive. We get our scuba gear and we just dive deep. Yeah. I love it. Well, Ben, I am known to write poetry. Yes. <laughs> uh, in case you didn't know that, I, I write poems at interesting times in history. I did know apparently. that. Um, <laughs> so I, I've, I've spent a lot of my life misunderstood. And I know that that's unlikely to change anytime soon. But I, I just want to talk about how beautiful this moment is, honestly, to me. And I, again, I'll, pro I'll probably be misunderstood, but I, I just see things from such a different lens. And you know that, you know me, right. you know my heart. Um, my sister called me in the middle of the night crying. Like, it was so meaningful to me because she, a lot of the people, a lot of times it's my family that misunderstands me the most. And she was like, I see your heart and you're being attacked and you're doing all, all this stuff is happening and you're being so compassionate. And she was so upset and just pouring her beautiful heart out. And I was like, I was like, Rachel, no, like people are speaking right. the truth. I honor the difference in opinion. We're in a day and age where we don't honor someone else's opinion. We shame them and we cancel them and we, we banish and exile and crucify them publicly uh, across media. And then social media just decided to do what media has always done. And, and there's not a lot of integrity with our responses to someone who differs in opinions right. from ours. And 
I want to have that integrity. If I'm the only one, I don't care. Like I, I literally Newsweek called and they were talking to me and, and I said, listen, I was like, listen, Catherine, I know you might get off this phone call with me and you might eviscerate me in your article. Right. That's okay. You have that right. I know you work for a company that needs clickbait titles. I know that you have a job to do and you have to make money and put food on the table. I get it. I, I like, I, I don't, I'm an artist. Like, you know, we, of course, we start out as uh, bleeding hearts and we continue to be bleeding hearts forever. If I took on all the differing opinions about my art, it would be this, you know, just a free for all. I, I want to just give some context for everyone who's listening. So here's the thing you wrote a poem, you know, uh, uh, Russia is now invading the Ukraine. And I think that we've all heard um, a lot of different reports. Um, this is this is so early in the process that this is a situation where uh, different outlets are giving different conflicting reports. It's a very intense time psychologically and emotionally. And a lot of people are responding in many different ways. And some people are saying, you know, pray for the Ukraine. Other people are saying, Prayer's not enough. Thoughts and prayers don't do anything. Other people are saying, um, okay, you care about the Ukraine. What about Syria? What about Palestine? What about all of these other places that right. are still at war? It's like, okay, you're not doing enough. Oh, you're doing too much. Oh, you, you, there's a lot of a, there's, you know, it's the, the court of public opinion. You wrote a poem and, um, and <laughs> I did. Write yeah, a poem, you wrote though. a poem and you wrote this poem and you read it on video and you uploaded it to Twitter. It's a three and a half minute poem. Twitter has a two minute, 20 yes. second limit. So the first... Yeah, I didn't realize that. <laughs> so the first two minutes and 20 seconds of it were uploaded to Twitter. And the, you know, I hope you don't mind me being really candid about the response to it. It's... Yeah. Well, I haven't seen anything. I, I I don't want necessarily the negative vibration, even though I honor the right. difference in opinion and I've been told about the difference in opinion. I, I don't need to see it personally. I get right. it. We you know, it I get what our world does right now. We we take to our little keyboards and we right. warrior out, you know, our, our feelings and emotions and and in a way that's what I did. I, I had anguish and upset and heartbreak over mm-hmm. what's happening. And because I have been through so much severe trauma and torture and assault and rape and all. I mean, you just like tick every box. I've got the mental health concerns, the trauma, all the things that I've been through and navigated. And thankfully, I'm am, am on the other side right. of in a lot of ways. And it's a lifelong journey of healing. But when you do this work, <laughs> like you just see the world in a different different way from a different lens. Right. And and my anguish and my upset, I don't want to hold it. Right. Because when I hold anger, I burn. Right. Right. That's the Buddhist saying. Like when you hold anger against someone else, the fire the fire of anger is in your hand. You're the one who burns. Right. I don't want to burn anymore. I burned a lot of myself for a long time with my anger and my vindication and my vengeful or vindictive energy. So so I turned to different outlets. Poetry's always been an outlet for me. I've written hundreds and hundreds of poems throughout my trauma years to to my healing and coping years to now coping with things in the world. And I am provocative, Benjamin. I am a very provocative person. (laughs) I will never not be provocative. So if they think this is something, woo not. Just wait. I'm only 30. What I noticed about it was um of course I know you. I've known you for a decade. I know that you uh process life through poetry. And so I I watched it with a very, very much of a clean slate. I didn't see any any criticism of it. I watched it from a from a very clean slate place. And also, I I'm aware of your heart. I know the anti human trafficking work that you do. Um, I know all of the many different um, ways that you support people uh, who are going through hard times. I've I've also experienced you. Uh, being there for me when I'm going through personal hard times. So, so all of that goes into, 
And when when that's happening, what's the first thing I do? I, I go to the root of the issue. I'm not someone who's into this fetish that the world's into of right. treating the symptoms. I want to know where did it start? Where are the where is the origin point and how do we prevent this right. in the future? Because I'm not I, I I'm not someone who's gonna cry over spilt milk. I I'm I I would rather send all my energy to the Ukraine and never say a word than to than to say something and then two weeks later forget all about it because um, because I did my post and I'm good. I actually genuinely care at such a level that I'm like, okay, where did this start? How do we right. change this? How do we not create more dictators in the future? How do we stop making bullies? How do we stop making rapists and those people who assault people and 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 shame culture? How do we stop this? Where did it start? It always originates right. with pain. And so you, the angle and the perspective that you present in this poem is really the the mother's heart inside of you. You know, your your inside mm-hmm. of all of us. Inside, we we have the capacity for, and that's the part I think that's probably lost in translation when you look at art, because it's, it's subjective. You know, the the mother's heart to me is, if you understand actual agape love, you are you have a mother's heart, you have a father's heart, you have a you have a child's heart, you have a, a cat or a dog's heart. You understand love with no conditions. It's it doesn't belong to any one identity or gender or whatever someone wants to put a label in a box around it. It's just love. It's love as as it actually is. We just have bastardized the word. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and so the the angle is really that if you know Vladimir Putin, you know this is the dictator of the hour. This is the person that uh, this is the one person that could end this particular war. You know, and not that's not to say it's not the it's the only war on the planet, but this is a this is an individual who could single handedly choose to. Uh, not invade the Ukraine, not take all of these lives um, and displace all of these different yeah. people and, and desecrate a, an otherwise peaceful nation. And potentially create more children who grow up to be adults who cre- create hate in right. their heart. Like my question with this poem is, and it didn't get to the end, <laughs> so you don't actually get to the ending of the poem. But um, but at, with this poem, I ask at the very end, I ask, and I'll just, I'll actually read you mm-hmm. my words um, since they, you know, they got a little lost in translation. Right. And, and cut off from Twitter. Um, but it. And cut off and all the fun things, you know, in a technological age. I said at the very end, I said, dear Mr. President Vladimir Putin, please think of that little boy you. Little boys just like you back then will lose their mothers when this with this war. When does this end? When do we stop harming our little ones, creating this cold, cruel world that they turn against because it was never quite kind to them? When, 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 Mr. President Putin, when does it end? And that was my that was <laughs> that was the point of the poem. But the 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 question is to all of us: When do we stop creating our little wars everywhere? Because a war broke out on Twitter after the war broke out in Ukraine, and and we're creating wars everywhere. But we we can point the finger at a physical war because human lives are being lost, and the casualties are horrific, and the suffering is atrocious, and what's being done is is so so awful and so my heart's ripped in two but we will at the same time start wars with our families wars in our own minds wars in our and and Lao Tzu I always quote Lao Tzu because you cannot have peace in the world if you don't have peace in the heart like he literally it's impossible if you want peace in the world this is what he says you want peace in the world you have to have peace in the nations you want peace in the nations you have to have peace in the cities you want peace in the cities you have to have peace in the neighborhoods if you want peace in the neighborhoods you have to have peace in the homes and if you want peace in the homes you must have peace in your hearts and we have skipped every step and we don't take Mm -hmm. ownership for that and then we're like oh it's a war there's you know we should have world peace it's not fair but we don't want to work on peace in the heart we don't want to work on peace in the home or the neighborhood. We don't want to take ownership for our community right here where we're doing things that we could look at and we could reflect back upon. And that that outlook, and you know this, Ben, because you've been through so much in your life, that outlook is due to the wars that I have started. I can see war from a different point of view. No, I I didn't start 
a war into a peaceful, beautiful country of loving, wonderful people who are just minding their own business and now are being invaded out of seemingly nowhere. And I, but but I have caused right. harm with with things that I have started where I didn't have peace in my heart. And then I put that pain onto somebody else. And I, I want to see a world where we where we take the steps seriously. Lao Tzu provided them hundreds of years ago with the Tao Te Ching and his incredible teachings in that in the Tao. Like, if we don't take this seriously, we will continue to this is history's repeating itself. What are we like? We had the influenza of 1918. We had World War One going on. We had the Great Depression and then World War Two happened. We just had the global pandemic, COVID-19. Now we got what feels like World War Three. Like, is anybody like, are we just so blind to the fact that this is like, this just keeps happening because we refuse right. to go within. We refuse to look. And for me, when I go within... I go to my mother's heart and and I know how fierce my love is. I mean, I'm the founder of the love storm. I'm trying to storm the planet with love. If Putin was my son, if you're going to if you're going to be so if you're going to be so wild as to take my words so literally, if if a 60 something year old Putin was my 34 year old self son, um, which really if you do math at all, it doesn't really work people. So I know it's very literal to everyone. Um, For me, again, it was an analogy. It was art. But but this this like I would storm him with so much love he wouldn't be able to handle it. He'd be like, get away from me, mom, like leave me alone. Like, oh my God, stop loving me. And with that much love, happy people don't invade countries that are peaceful or invade countries ever. Happy people don't do that. We don't cause harm when we're happy. We want people to feel love and joy, which was really at the end of the day, that's mm-hmm. my heart. I want people to feel love. And and I have played villains my entire career. I have been forced to step in the shoes of someone doing atrocious things and find their humanity. So I'm the first one to know how to look at a situation from an angle that's uncomfortable, that doesn't make sense. And I'm I'm lauded for it in, in my work because you're just like, oh wow, you you really just like, you know, gave that character so many, um, so many layers you know and we we're so cool if you treat a character but we don't want to we don't want to give love to the and you and I did this you you and I did the episode right. on Technohan and we talked about his book Art of Living and he thought he talked about that pirate those the pirate who sexually abused that little child in front of her father and then the thought threw the father overboard and the little girl and you know, jumped overboard too, and they both died. And these were his friends, and he was so distraught, and he was so angry, and so upset. And then he realized, I could have been the father. I could have been the little girl. I could have been the pirate. I could have been that. And for me, when I look at the world, I look at the pain and torture and trauma that I've been through, and I could be really right. bad. I could have been. I could have gone a very different direction. And I. I don't mind saying that because I'm not afraid of it. Why are we so afraid of our shadows? Our shadows are doing what they think they need to do to survive. That's what you learn as an actress playing a villain character for 20 years. The the shadow parts of you doesn't think it's a shadow. It thinks it's necessary. So, so there's, there's a lot going on, but, but it's my poem was in language. It was in the language of how I speak in general with the work that I do fighting slavery of the mind because we're so enslaved in the mind and and we really can't take on new information. I mean, the words of the poem is just like so destabilizing. <laughs> I'm sure for so many people it was like what in the heck is wrong with this woman? But but I I and I get that and I honor that and and I'm not concerned about it whatsoever. I obviously I totally stand by my poem and I wish that the world could look at things in, in a light that reflects the the ability to see both our light parts and our shadow parts without so much shame and cancel right. culture going on around it. But but if if not me who, if not now right. when, if you know, everybody and, has their opinions. My opinion was just a little confusing to right. and, everybody. And if we're thinking about um this very uh spiritual and 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 sort of big picture idea of the creation of a genuinely peaceful world, you know, which by the way, it it reminds me of Marianne Williamson's uh, campaign for president where she was criticized for, for suggesting the creation of a department of peace 
the, the State Department has uh, peace building agencies within it, but the percentage of the of the funding that goes to the peace building agencies is nowhere near the military defense budget. You know, so the the proactive cultivation of peace, something that Marianne often said was, you can't just back up into world peace. It's got to be proactively cultivated, you know, and and even that mm-hmm. idea, that notion couldn't be understood. You know, this is a presidential candidate who got enough votes to be in both of the first two debates. And still the media mm-hmm. wanted to take that lowest common denominator, that clickbait level reaction to it. And once that yeah. starts, it creates its own momentum. And, um, and, you know, I'm hearing that with you. What you're taking is this more spiritual perspective where we're saying, let's, let's love each other better. Let's love each other in a way where if problems... Or at all. Or let's learn what the word love actually mm. means because we, we really don't get it. We really don't get what love with no conditions means. And, and that is because I'm not your mom. Because <laughs> <laughs> if I was your mom, you would know what love with no conditions means. And that is not because... Uh, that's not because... N- not, I mean, literally everyone, everyone is capable of this love. But when we're conditioned in a world of pain to fear, we move away from actual right. love. And, and I think that, yeah, the, I mean, I'm always going to take this stance. This is always going to be what you're going to hear from me. You guys might make parodies forever and I'm going to give you endless content because I will always, always, always come at massive situations like this or tiny little moments between you and I that are personal moments with this stance. This is the way my mind works now because I, what the point of the love storm was that, that meta meditation, alchemizing anguish into love, turning a storm into love. Thinking about the sexual abuse I experienced as a child and imagining the person who is abusing me and saying, may he be happy, may he be at peace, may he be free from suffering. I wanted to murder his ass. You know what I mean? Like I wanted him to die. I wanted vindication. I went through all the steps. I didn't start out like, oh, money Padmaham, may you be happy. You know, like, no, I'm a freaking human being. Okay. Like I wanted him to literally fall off a cliff, not quite die yet, die for a long time. Like a lot of suffering, birds eating his carcass. Like there was a whole visual there. Mm Um, And then it was like, okay, this is making me suffer. Do I want to stay in suffering? You know, and, and there was a moment where I was, I was taught the meta meditation. And I was doing the meta meditation. And I was avoiding this, that I was avoiding this person who kept popping in my mind every time the, the teacher would say, now think of someone who's difficult to love, or someone who's hurt you and send this compassion to them. And I'm like, hum, um, I think that my neighbors were mad at the other neighbors. And I'm gonna send compassion to them for each other. Like I'm like making up people to send compassion to because I didn't want to send compassion to the person who sexually abused me and see what felt like stole my life and made me want to end my life for years and years. I didn't want to send compassion to that person. I was angry. I was hurt. I was devastated. And and the moment that that my mind opened to being able to consider doing it was was the beginning of the this transformational moment in my life. And so when we're looking at something like war and for me I don't know about y'all, but I don't want war to continue and I don't want history to repeat itself. So we can all get angry and we can do the exact same thing we've always done and we will continue to have the same results because, you know, it's a little insane to think doing the same thing gets different results. I'm, I want to do something different. I I don't care if I'm wrong trying something new. I want to try something new because I want to try something new because the old isn't working. And if everybody on bandwagon numero uno that's never changed since the dawn of time thinks that they're going to do anything to help, I'm sorry. I love you with the the mother's heart that I have and I will totally adopt you even if you're 100. But like, uh, no, it's not going to fix anything. I want to fix this, Benny. I have pipe dreams and I want to change the world. And it might sound crazy, but so did the little trailer park kid who I was right. wanting to be an actress and my parents and everybody being like, uh, you're literally a trailer park kid. What are you talking about? I have pipe dreams and I want to make them come true. And one of those dreams is that we stop doing the same thing. We stop treating the symptoms. We go to the root of the problem. We look at war. Why is it here? Who is driving it in this particular situation? 
I, I know so much about the life of Putin and the things that led him to the, literally, literally idolizing Mother Russia. Like Mother Russia is his is everything to him. He since he was fourteen years old, and and so there was an aspect where there was a little, some literal sense to a tiny, tiny degree. But most of what I was writing was right. very subjective. But but he has he has waited for this moment for decades to go in and invade a peaceful country that we're all like in shock and he believes that Russia was wronged and so we need to get inside his head and and you can't do that when you're angry you can't do that when you're when you're you know just pissed right. off at what he's doing and your anger and your being pissed off is totally valid but you aren't going to get anywhere with it i want right. to get somewhere i want to go somewhere and i want to have an answer and i want to know solutions as to moving forward in our world how do we do this better how do we not in 100 years from now have another pandemic and another world war happening like how do we prevent this and those are the questions that i ask myself every day and sometimes i write right. poems about it you know and there was a an instagram live that i was on earlier today or i guess yesterday with with like over a thousand people on and we were talking about praying for putin oh wow and we were talking about praying for his sanity and praying for his empathy and for sympathy and for for clarity to to flood through him and for the people who he's surrounded by to experience sanity and and look there's there's it was so controversial people were like don't pray for that guy and it's like i'm not praying that he's successful i'm praying that he gets his shit together i'm praying <laughs> for his brain to start to recalibrate you know well and that's it ben it's so what people miss uh, and that's why compassion is not for the weak but what people miss when they say don't pray for Putin or don't write a poem about, you know, being his mom, um, which that one I, <laughs> I understand. <laughs> I, I get the response on that one. Um, but we, we do need to pray for Putin. But, but here's why. If Putin was so happy, and this was right. the point of my poem too, if he was a happy little boy that grew up happy and loved and, and went into his adulthood and was happy and loved and loving. How many people, show of hands, like, it's a podcast, right. I know I can't see you. Um, but like, do, do you think happy Putin, full of love, prayed for and mothered, mothered with so much joy and, you know, crazy storm love energy? Um, do you think that that person? Of course not wants to invade a country start a war of course not. D does a happy person want to start a war does a happy person want to perpetrate sexual abuse onto a small child i sent that p compassion to my perpetrator in the hopes that my energy could reach him and maybe maybe somehow he would find healing and happiness and not hurt anybody right. else like the the hope that's what we're doing and that's the part of the story that gets lost and and yeshua i mean talk about compassion stories gone wrong like yeshua G I, i'm sorry everyone listening i i refer to jesus as his original actual right, name <laughs> because i don't understand why we ever changed it so i like his original aramaic name yeshua but yeshua came here with this is like I want to show love and forgiveness and and then there were hundreds of millions of people have been killed in his right. name and or the name that they the later gave him and 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 you're like wait how did you get this so right. mixed up even if you don't believe in and the religion or whatever you this person just brought love to people and you're killing people on his behalf I mean did you consult him? Like, do you think right. that's what it, and, and that's what happens. We get so attached to the story of the, the religion versus the message of like the message of right. the religion is, is the point. We get attached to the religion itself. We get attached to the movement, the cause itself, and we lose the message here. The message in our world right now with a war happening in a peaceful country is why would someone perpetrate onto an mm -hmm. innocent? That's really the question we're asking. The average person literally does not have faith 
there's literally not faith and there's literally not belief or hope that a peaceful world is even possible. And so the idea of loving someone, especially loving someone who's so in such a distorted reality that they're, they're, you know, starting wars, it's completely far-fetched. And we're in a world where we, we don't understand each other. And I was imagining loving the two-year-old version of him, you yeah. know, which is a little easier for like, my brain. <laughs> Even, I mean, I, I want to give love to all people, but I, I definitely did see two-year-old Putin first in my brain. Um, and, and, that, and that's what actually my brain did when I was able to give compassion to my perpetrator. I couldn't send it to the person who did this to me the way he looked when he was a monster. My mind actually made me see him as a child. And what a world we would live in if we could look at 7.8 billion people for the inner child inside them versus the adult that, that we so, so easily right. hate. I think that's the, that's the part of my heart that it's not about, am I right or wrong? Is this right or wrong? Are you right or wrong? Is he or she or they right or wrong? It's what is my capacity to love? What is my capacity to offer a useful tool that could in fact actually change something in a different direction than we've right. ever seen before because it's something we've never done. There's with something we've never tried, it actually has infinite potential. That's the thing about, you know, this this the way that I approach things in life. I approach everything. I'm a, I was a little math nerd. <laughs> I I love an algorithm. I love an equation. I I break things down to patterns and sequence. I go to the origin point. I reverse engineer. I take the bed apart and I find the first screw and then I build the bed again. And what we don't do is that. We 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 don't hear a full poem because I wasn't <laughs> able to post it. Sorry everybody. Um <laughs> and then and then we we feel our bodies get all upset and 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 we're like no, my body feels bad. My body feels bad. And the world feels terrible when your body feels bad. I know because I lived in a very scary body for a long time. And, and then it's like what we have now is instant access to just alleviate that anguish and be like, ew, evil poem writer person, you know, or whatever right. it is that I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what's going on. But, but there's, a, there's this, this need for us to be able to experience a new potential. Okay, let's try this. Let's listen to this new thing. Let's hear it. Let's create space for that. These are things that we can't do and we cannot do it when our bodies are in anguish. If you hear my poem and it upsets you, you can't you can't hear anything else until you let the world know how you feel about that terrible <laughs> poem. And that's because you your body is upset. Your world, the world you're in control of feels out of control. And I know what that feels like. I and I know what that feels like and how exacerbated by decades and environment and situations, how bad that gets. And I've played the characters on television of how bad that gets. And every one of those characters I played, I asked this question, what happened to her? What happened to her? How did she go from being a two-year-old little child who would never hurt anybody to being the villain I'm about to play on screen who is callous and cold and nasty and dark and atrocious? How did she get here? And what can I offer this character that allows you, while sitting in a movie theater or, or around the television, to for a moment, just a moment, realize there's something a little bit more going on in this person's psyche than just straight up. I am a villainous person who is malevolent and I will cause harm for no reason at all other than to be harmful. That does not exist on our planet and it is ignorance that perpetuates that belief system. And that is something that I will always challenge with my, with my art, with my mind, with my words, with my heart for the, for all of my existence. So if you guys, you know, if it's too much for you, I'm sorry, you're just gonna have to wait it out for the next 60 something years. (laughs) Well, I think I think that it's, (laughs) you know, any rational person um, who's in a clear thinking moment is not going to sit there and troll somebody on the internet or make a big deal or, or whatever, you know, I think that I think that it makes perfect sense uh, in times of war for someone to create art, to write a song, to write poetry, um, to to paint something, to sculpt something in order to to express what what you're feeling. And I, I think that it's beautiful that that's how you approached it. I think that the the angle of <clears throat> of 
of the poem, really the message that I got, just like, you know, Beauty's in the Eye of the Beholder, when you go into the Guggenheim Museum and you're looking at all the paintings, it's not always about just what the artist says. It's sometimes about what we get from it, you know? And someone can look at a painting and be like, that's garbage. Yeah. But someone else can get something really beautiful from it. And for me, the the thing that I got from the poem and and what I heard and what I received is, what if we loved our children really well and what and what i hear when when i ask that question what if we loved our children really really well what i'm really hearing is not just my children but what if all children in the world were loved better what if we as a society took better care of our children would these same things be happening in a few generations of better love and better care for for children we we might see changes in the psyches of these adults of these children that grow up to be adults who grow up to be the world leaders and the leaders of community and enter into the different fields that that make these policies and make these kinds of decisions and if you're having a hard time if you're listening and you're having a hard time putting the dots together on this exactly or maybe you know a common thing that I hear a lot when I do inner child workshops and I work with people is oh you know I had a great childhood my parents loved me everything was great I was just like ne- neglected and not like really talked down to but just called an idiot most of my life and uh, and I'm like okay so the part about the great <laughs> childhood like <laughs> you know and I I invite you if you're listening to if you're not driving or doing something where you need your eyeballs if you even could for a second could just close your eyes and get a visual of that, like Ben, get a visual of little Ben. I'm going to get a visual of little Anna and I invite you to get a visual of your little child self. And I'm going to, I'm just going to ask you as you here and now to pick that little child up and put that child on your lap and say, I'm so sorry for all of your pain. I'm so sorry for all the times you felt unseen and unheard. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for all the, the moments you felt unloved. You, you will get hurt again, but I will never leave you in pain. I will never leave you unseen or unheard or unloved again. That is my promise I'm making to you. And I don't know what your little child is going to respond or if your child trusts you because my little girl didn't for a long time. The, the implications of witnessing ourselves, not from the adult brain telling a story, which is also lovely. And also, can she take a break? And as Gabrielle, Gabby Bernstein says, can she just go out for coffee for a few minutes? Can the storyteller just pop out for coffee? And can I actually talk to that child, that child self? Because the child experienced something that you did not. And when you negate that child's experience with your adult brain that that child did not have because the brain was not formulated at the time of that child's existence you are completely altering that child's story and telling it on behalf of it in front of it. It's like gaslighting. It's like gaslighting our own inner child. No, 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 no. You weren't hurt. You were fine, weren't you? You were totally fine. You had a happy childhood. You're perfect. And and again, this doesn't mean that a parent didn't mean every possible intention of love. And and the, to that, you know, to that side of it, if you really, really took my poem way too literally, the the thought that I like, you know, if if Maria, the sanctioned, officially sanctioned mother of Putin, did try to love him, whatever. And the truth is, like, this is not about the well intentions of parents. This is about thousands upon thousands of years of conditioned, programmed versions of love that are much more about approval and disapproval than they are about anything to do with love. And that is why I said earlier that love is bastardized in our psyches because love that has to do with approval is not love. Let me say that again. Love that has to do with approval is not love. If you have to get a smile and thumbs up from mom for you to feel loved, that's not love. And that's not her fault. That's not your fault. That's not anyone's fault. But it is something that we need to look at and ask if we're willing to try a new potential and work in prevention of pain from because the little wars that little t trauma creates cause ripple effects. So so we don't want to see that we're putting 
the energy of war into the world when we look at someone who's creating physical, tangible war that we can watch on the news. We want to think that that's separate from us. We're, we're not like that. We want to make that really bad and we're better because that's bad. That's better than us. That's worse than us, you know? But, but when we look inside and we see that little one and we actually take a moment and say, hey, I'm going to just go ahead and assume that you were in pain right. at times. And I missed it. I'm going to assume that you were unseen and weren't validated at all times. And I, I missed it. And so did the big people around you. And I'm so sorry that, that right there going to the origin point, the root of the issue. And this is, you know, Carl Jung dealing with shadow work. But but here's the thing. You're you're saying so many things like child, uh, like inner child and Carl Jung and all that. Look, here's the thing. The majority of the world has never, doesn't even know who Carl Jung is. Okay, sorry, y'all. I'm such a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I do, I'm familiar, you know, but there's a, a moment when each of us have to be introduced to different things like inner child work, you know? Inner child work is very psychologically viable and it is when you are speaking to the the younger innocent part of yourself, even though you have the adult brain and the adult nervous system and the adult body now, there's memories, there's aspects of the psyche and the memory that that still retain that in the entirety of that childhood experience. And so the validation of that, it's extraordinarily healing. It's just art. And the thing is, when you when you go too far into the dissection of art, of of course you're you're gonna tear it to shreds, you know? You're I mean, I've got this painting. Yeah, it's a felt. I've got a painting sense. behind me. It's a feeling. And, and if you were to look at this painting, you could say, Why is her neck so long? That's way too long for a neck. And and where is she getting all that hair from? Yeah. She's clearly got a weave in there. You know, it's it's all just art and artistic. <laughs> It's a beautiful piece of art, y'all. Uh, artistic expressions are have like symbolic and metaphorical and emotional aspects to them. And so, so this poem that you wrote was really born from the emotional response that you were having to the, the reality of, of, of the ever-present war, of this particular war, of what's happening right now. And, and the war that's probably going on in the mind of the dictator leading this war, because we don't create, you know, you don't build a house uh, out of thin air. You have a blueprint. Right. And then where did that blueprint come? From an arch- the mind of an architect. The architect created a vision in the mind and then put it on paper as a blueprint and then built the foundation and saw the construction of this home. So where, where did this war originate? It had to originate in the mind of President Putin. Right. It had to originate there. And then then my next question is, okay, if the war originated there, why did it originate there? And then we get all the way back to what what created those conditions and what could have prevented it? And and if if a loving person had been there, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. I think that there's a critique, you know, that there's a comparison being made to this poem as to uh, Gal Gadot's Imagine. At the, <laughs> at the beginning of the pan- pandemic, Gal Gadot sang Imagine and who else was in it? Chris, Kristen Wiig and Will Ferrell and a bunch of other celebrities were in this song and they said, and they... And it was a beautiful, sweet, hilarious. Uh, just gentle little expression of beauty. I mean, imagine, like it's imagine. How could it be? <laughs> and it got attacked. And the critique was that it is it was out of touch. And the thing is, I think with your poem, the the feeling, if someone feels like it's out of touch or it's unrelatable, it's it's because we are out of touch. <laughs> well, I'm seeing that you're coming from this angle of Jungian psychology. All beings are innately good. That it's a corruption that happens from the outside through trauma that, that creates someone who has sociopathic or narcissistic or, or violent tendencies. You know, And I think it's, it seems out of touch because people aren't psychologically versed. 
And they're, they're perhaps like disconnected from a sense of faith or from a sense of hope or from a, from a sense of the power of love. When Marianne Williamson was talking about love mm-hmm. and its relationship to politics, people were like, what are you talking about? Love in politics, that doesn't seem like it makes sense at all. But really, from a spiritual perspective, politics is, is cr- a crucial place for love to find its expression. I don't, I don't like this, this modern age leadership that totally looks beyond the, what Lao Tzu says is step numeral uno. Like It's the first step where, where when you're able to find a sense of balance, you can think more about someone's well-being in their home. You can think more about, is, am, is this the country of dreams? Like these, these kind of higher thought systems that America, talking about even not antiquity, but even recent history, the, the dream and the passion of, of what, what the hope was for building a new world was actually something really special. The, the, of course we came here and what did we do? We stole the land and and we caused harm and we left one tyrannical form of leadership and created another one in a way. So you see that throughout history. Absolutely. But in those moments, we romanticize it because there were romantic aspects of it, because we were dreamers and we let that be a part of our narrative. When we're only focused on here are the policies and this is what we're, there's no heart. Like, where do you connect to that? And so, so we do lose the love of po- in politics and, and we don't understand Marianne Williamson because she is saying something that's a language that we no longer, it's archaic now. To, it's a language we don't speak anymore. I think there's an aspect, I mean, we're, we're definitely talking all around this topic, but I think it does relate back to how do we get to a situation where we think, you know, a peace department, eh, but let's put everything into military. And we do need Homeland Security. We do need to make sure that we feel safe in our, in our countries. And, and because we have drawn invisible lines right. between <laughs> countries and, and we do need to feel safe within those borders and those, those boundaries. But these are things that we just accept because we're born into them. And since I was a little kid, my perpetual one word question will always be, why? And then I'll add a like, but why? <laughs> but why? I was the but why kid as a child with this with this situation that's going on in our world right now. I'm once again, but why? From where does this originate? Why? Why are we here? Why are we here mm-hmm. again? Everything will always be why for me. And I will try to answer that with art. And sometimes it'll it'll take, sometimes it won't. Sometimes it might take 50 years from now. I, I'm not worried about it. I My biggest thing for my heart to be expressed in this moment is, how do you feel in your body? If you're listening to this right now, how does your neighbor feel? How do the people in your cities feel? What's going on in our bodies? Do we check in at all with our bodies? The body to me is baby. Like the mind is the adult. The mind goes blah, 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 blah all day long. And I want to punch it in the face sometimes, but I'm, you know, trying to work on nonviolence. But the body is like when the body is upset, you don't tell the body, stop feeling. You can try that. I did it for years, but it doesn't work. It just compounds and you get dis-ease in the body and then you create disease in the body. So how is our body feeling when the world is at war? How is our body feeling when we see innocence being perpetrated upon? How does our bodies feel? And do we want to keep perpetuating that? Don't we want to just maybe ask why? Why is this here again? And actually try to answer the question and be open to an answer that we're maybe not ready for, but might possibly, if we give ourselves a moment, be able to sit and just listen just for a minute. If we want to shut it down after that, okay. And I'm not, I, I'm not on the front lines and I'm so grateful to those who are and, and the bravery that Ukrainians are showing right now. You know, I saw someone tweet, I think it's just fine to shut the F up about things that we don't know enough about. It's like, okay, that's one thing. Yeah. To just shut the F up about it. And it's another thing to also be allowed to share our hearts because what I see, the thing that keeps coming back for me in this, in this whole moment, you know, you've got like 22 million plus plays on, on your poem. 22. Yeah. My my lucky number. (laughs) Yeah. And it continues to grow. The universe is so fun. <laughs> when I look at that, what I what I see more than anything is we don't see things as they are. We see things as we are, right? So if someone sees that mm. and they're filled with fury about this person's so out of touch, check in with how out of touch you might be. 
check in with how disconnected you might be if all you see is this person so disconnected. You know, when I see it, I see compassion. Compassion is hard for us to under. It's compassion is it's it's the latter, you know, like you, it's not the first it's not the first response. Right. Right. Well, I think that the thing that you were really trying to do is to express your your own heart in response to a really heartbreaking moment where once again there's military invasions once again young men and women are going into war once again uh, children and families and homes are being destroyed once again and who will the children of this war grow up to be and i think that that's a really interesting thing to ask you know how can we as a society support these survivors and i hate to say survivors because it it's the acknowledgement that so many people will not survive yeah. how can we support these refugees yeah. you know I, I don't know anything about military i don't know a single thing about military strategy i don't know a single thing about what yeah. what america should do or or shouldn't do i know that i'm looking at some of the tweets biden's doing and he's like i'm like is that helpful? I literally don't know. You know, in interpersonal relationships, it pretty much wouldn't be helpful, but I don't know. Maybe in military, it is. I don't know. And I do feel very disconnected from it. And it, and that causes me to feel emotional. And it makes me feel like, wow, I have no clue what to do. But that's why I have faith. That's why God matters to me. That's why spirituality matters to me. And that's why I, I have to do things like go into that place and just say, dear God, show me what I could do differently. And one of the things that, that I could do differently is be a loving father, be a loving uncle, be a, be a loving adult in the world, you know, if that's all that we could do. Who will these children of this war grow up to be? And why are we letting this repeat itself again in our world? And and how do we do it differently next time? I have one question. Yeah. We mentioned at the beginning that the Twitter video cut off about a minute of this poem. Where can we hear the entire thing? Is it available anywhere in the universe? It is available in the universe. Um, I, you know what? I'll give you a link for it. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. Thank you so much, Ben. I love these conversations with you. Thank you so much for this. And uh, we'll see you again soon. Hey, it's Ben Decker, and I just have to thank you again for listening to the Modern Spirituality Podcast. For information on anything mentioned here, you can check out the show notes below. You can also get in touch with me via twitter.com slash bendecker, instagram.com slash Benjamin W. Decker, or email me at bendecker at modernspiritualitypodcast.com. It really does mean so much to me that you're here with me on the modern spirituality journey. I'm genuinely super excited about what I've got planned for these next few episodes. So really make sure to subscribe to the Modern Spirituality Podcast so you can get in on what I've got coming up. And if this is resonating for you, if anything here helped or inspired or entertained you at all, please, please do rate this podcast and leave me a review. It means so much more than you might realize. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you again.